0: You're listening to a sermon from crccoolerman.org. We're continuing on in our series on being strong in grace. And what I love about the uh, the idea of grace is that it's so big, isn't it? I could probably preach all year to you on the topic of grace. And I tell you what, I would love it. I would love it. And I think you would love it too. It's, it's a big to- It's a big topic. But this week we're having a bit of a look at the idea of being strong in grace and whether we are cursed or blessed cursed or blessed and uh, it's probably maybe not something you think about a lot are you cursed are you blessed if I was to ask you and this is just a rhetorical question here just to get you thinking so so you don't need to answer me but if I was to ask you what do you picture in your mind when you hear the word curse? curse or cursing or being cursed. Have a think. What do you think about? And what on earth actually is a curse? How do you get cursed? It's not a common word, is it? But I think it's a common mindset. It's not a common word, but it is a common mindset. I think many of us actually have a curse mindset, a curse way of thinking and looking at the world. So what is a curse? It's this idea that there's some sort of ongoing affliction in your life, Uh, that that, that you're plagued or troubled by negative things that you are powerless to overcome. It's kind of like you've got this default setting in your life that that life is bad and it doesn't matter what you do or how hard you try, life is going to kind of go wrong for you. And you might not use the word cursed to describe that sort of attitude, but, but your, your perspective on the world is to see that, that everything that does happen or could happen or, or might one day happen is quite likely to be bad. Conspiracy theorists think a bit like this. There's always a secret agenda out there in the world and it's to do harm. Now, some of you might try and rationalise this attitude a little bit by saying, no, 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 I'm just a realist. Or, hey, I'm a pessimist. Are hey, you familiar with those terms? It, I've heard that it's always a good idea to borrow money from pessimists because they never expect it back. And, and did you know, did you know that both optimists, we, I mean, we should be fair here, optimists and pessimists both contribute to society. So the optimist invents the aeroplane and the pessimist invents the parachute. Or um, uh, someone by the name of Paul, uh, whose surname I cannot pronounce, says I am a practitioner of positive pessimism. Hoping for the best, expecting the worst. Is that anyone here? You hope for the best, but you're expecting the worst. spoken like a true pessimist. Thanks, Alison. Uh, they, uh, here's another one. Uh, a pessimist is an optimist in full possession of the facts. A pessimist is an optimist in full possession of the facts. I see a few people are connecting here and thinking, yeah, there's, there's wisdom there. I had to think about this, this idea of, of having a cursed sort of mindset. And I was thinking, well, you know, what times in my life have I have I been like that? Have I thought like that? And and I think, you know, sometimes I just get this quietly nagging, persistent feeling, confidence even, that, you know what, even if things are going well now, I'm pretty confident eventually they're going to go bad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes, and maybe you can relate to some of these, I'm thinking you probably can, sometimes, you know, you just have that sense of feeling kind of a bit condemned by others in some way or even by yourself okay? condemned by yourself do you ever do things based on whether you think others will accept you or reject you you know we're all a little bit susceptible to that if I do this I know that they're going to be they're going to accept me a bit more or if I do this then this person might reject me and, and you you base your, your behaviour on that sometimes I make decisions out of a sense of fear, or a sense of lack. For example, well, if I if I try that, it will probably fail, so I won't try it, then it won't fail. Or often I, I seem to have this attitude going through the back of my mind that says, you know what, that thing, whatever it is, I'm not going to have enough money for it, or I'm not going to have enough time for it, or I'm not going to have enough energy for it, or, or I'm not going to have enough support to do it. Sometimes there seems to be this default setting in our lives that says, you've done the wrong thing. It just kind of whispers there in the back of your head, you've done the wrong thing. And it doesn't matter what it is. It could have been that you chose an apple instead of an orange, and sometimes there's just this thing that your mind says that says, you're wrong. Do you ever have excessive worry about bad things that might happen because of something you do or you don't do? Can you relate to any of those? Or do you have your own list? Have you seen this curse sort of mindset in in your friends or in your family? You could think about curses in, in, in a more supernatural way too, couldn't we? So a more supernatural way of looking at it would be uh, when we think of words or actions that are taken that I- invoke some sort of uh, supernatural power to inflict harm or inflict punishment upon you. So it's that idea that if I do certain things, my life will be, my life will be cursed. If I say certain things, my life will be cursed. And either God or, 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 or an evil supernatural power will come and inflict harm on me. And so sometimes we, we can become quite fearful can 't we? We can think that that if we go to a certain place or participate in a certain activity that that might have roots in some sort of non Christian uh, f- philosophy that that um, that, that your, your handling of that thing and, or your attendance at that thing or that event will relo- result in some sort of curse or some sort of demonic oppression uh, for example there 's a, a ministry called Uh, destiny strategies uh, a couple by the name of phil and Laurelie collie and they attend new age festivals now they're christians and they attend new age festivals and what they do is they go there to give prophetic words that they call destiny readings but it's all to reveal jesus and introduce people there to jesus now here's the thing if they had a cursed mindset if they thought that by being at that event they would become cursed, do you think they'd go? No, they wouldn't. Uh, they, they, you know, if they felt that, that being around tarot card readers or, or, or psychics would, would, would um, infect them spiritually, they wouldn't go. Okay? So a curse mindset would stop them from going. When I was in Macedonia, we were traveling, uh, we were in this town, and, and there was a city, and there was a Muslim area of the city. And there was a Christian area of the city. And as we're walking through the Muslim area, I could feel this something. And it wasn't nice. And it was yucky. And and they had the Muslim call to prayer. And and I could just feel this sense of oppression. And and I I think it was probably some sort of spiritual stronghold in that area that that I was sensing. Now, I didn't like being there. But if i had had a curse mindset about it, I would have been worried about catching something, wouldn't have I? All right? I would have been worried about uh, catching a, a, you know, a, a spiritual curse or a demon by being there. Now, I'm not here talking about the obvious engagement in occult stuff or devil worship practices. You know, if you invite some sort of uh, demonic influence into your life through the occult or or, or psychics or tarot card readers or or visiting the local witch doctor, which some of my old colleagues at my old workplace did when they were visiting uh, Morocco, if you actively invite the enemy to engage with you, well, yeah, that that will go bad for you, won't it? Don't do that. That that will be a problem. Um, So I want to be clear. There's a difference between seeking out this stuff and inviting it to have influence upon you versus, being around it to minister Jesus and to minister to others. So do you you see the difference there that I'm drawing out? Yeah? Have I made that clear? Yeah? Okay. Good. So what I want to say today, now if if you're about to tune out for the rest of the sermon, because I know it's the afternoon and sometimes people do, here's the summary catchphrase. So you can listen to this bit, All right. The rest of it will explain this bit, but here's the key bit. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus, we can have a blessing mindset rather than a curse mindset we don't need to worry about being cursed we can actually celebrate being blessed by God when you're blessed by God no one no one really has any power to curse you because God's blessing trumps any curse all right so there's the sermon in a a few sentences all right so, this is what we're going to unpack now. Are you ready? It's going to be good. I'm excited. I love talking about blessing. I don't talk about it enough, do I? What does the Bible actually say about curses? What does the Bible actually say about who is cursed and when they get cursed and how they get cursed? The Bible actually says quite a bit. Actually, it's quite a bit. In the Old Testament, the word cursed is mentioned 63 times. I think that's fairly significant, don't you? Yeah. In the Old Testament, uh, we we, we get a lot of teaching for God's people about the blessings that they receive for keeping God's covenant law and the consequences or the curses for not keeping it. And so Deuteronomy 27 that came just before the the verse that Alison read, we've got Moses here and he chooses a really... Picturesque and, and quite a creative way to help the Israelites remember the covenant and remember what would happen to them for, for keeping the covenant or disobeying the covenant when they crossed the River Jordan and into the Promised Land that God had for them. And so, so nearby, there there are two mountains. There are two mountains that illustrate what would come of Israel's choice if they they accept or reject the covenant. So on one side of the valley we've got Mount Ebal, and Mount Ebal is rocky, it's barren, it's desolate, okay, so can you picture that, big, rocky, desolate, mountainous hill, so we've got that on one side, you've got that in your mind? On the other side is Mount Gerizim, and this is a mountain that has trees and vegetation, so evil represents what will happen to Israel if they reject the covenant and disobey God. They'll have nothing. Their life will be desolate. All right? Gerizim symbolises the richness of their life if they honour the Lord. So the, the people can either choose to have a, a, a barren, a desolate life or they can choose to have a fruitful abundant life of blessing. They can choose a cursed life or they can choose a blessed life. And so their future in the the land that God gives them depends on their decision. And so if they choose blessing, if they choose this this Mount Gerizim, they'll be blessed in their homes, they'll be blessed in their jobs, they'll be blessed in the world beyond their homeland. All of their enemies will tremble before them and they'll truly be the special people of God. But if Israel refuses to follow the covenant, they'll, they'll suffer the opposite in all walks of life. If they, they sin against God, if they disobey the covenant, he will, he will send them reminders to repent and, and come back to him. But, but all of the difficulties that they will then face are, are, are actions of discipline uh, that God uses to, to, to bring his people back to himself. And so what, what, uh, what Moses tells the Israelites to do is he he tells them to split into two groups. And we've got half of the tribes standing on on one mountain and half of the tribes standing on the other. And half of them are to call out the blessings of the covenant. And they're, they're obviously standing on the beautiful, rich, abundant, fertile mountain. And then the other half, who are standing on the desolate, rocky mountain... They're calling out the curses of the covenant. And, and then the people they, they, they hear this call out and then they respond, Amen, in response. And so it's a very graphic pictural illustration of what life is going to be like if they obey the covenant, or what life will be like if they disobey the covenant. So if life if they obey the covenant, life will go well and they will be blessed. If they disobey the covenant, life will go poorly and they will be cursed some of the curses that are listed there in Deuteronomy if you were to have a read of that things like uh, the children will be cursed, there will be a low birth rate crops will be ruined, animals will be killed, there will be confusion of mind, madness and fear, there will be sickness drought, hunger, thirst there will be defeat in war wives will be abused, there will be oppression and slavery, there will be cannibalism captivity corpses will not be buried, plans will be shattered, there'll be poverty, there'll be debt, there'll be nakedness, there'll be robbery, their children will be kidnapped, foreigners will take over the land, and there will be shame and scorn. It's quite a list, isn't it? Here's the thing. I listen to our news today. You know, I hear things about murders related to domestic violence, I hear about shootings in Germany. I hear about uh, the the continued mass exodus of people from Syria. I hear about bullying that makes nine-year-old children suicidal. And, And I think I could find a news article this week for pretty much every single one of those curses listed there. Confusion of mind, madness, fear, drought, hunger, thirst, captivity. Poverty, debt, nakedness, robbery, children kidnapped, shame, scorn, wives abused, oppression, slavery. It's all very current. It's all very relevant, isn't it, to our world today? And it, it, it reminds me of what happens when people ignore the relationship that God offers us. our world is relying on on morality to make things right. We're legislating and we're educating for this morality. But here's the thing about the way the world works and the way God works, is that relying on any form of works or morality to make our world blessed and good, whether that's our individual lives or whether that's nations, the the, the, um, impact across nations... It actually doesn't work. And it actually just results in curse. Galatians chapter 3, 10 to 14, really spells that out really clearly about what happens when you rely on, on works and morality to try and be blessed and to try and make things work. It says here, Galatians chapter 3, starting at verse 10, for all who rely on the works of law are under a curse. For all who rely on the works of law, they're under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. you know, who relies on trying to be good and right and, and moral and, 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 and everything, they're under a curse. They're under a curse. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And he did that in order that the blessing that was promised to Abraham might come to us through Christ Jesus. We've been redeemed by Christ Jesus from the curse of the law. We've been freed, we've been saved, we've been brought back. Here's the thing, if you or if anyone um, is relying on doing the right thing or keeping the law to be righteous and to try and get a blessed life, it won't work. And if you've ever tried it, you will know that it won't work. And if you've ever read any of our news headlines on your little app on the phone, you'll know that it doesn't work work. First things first, have you been made right with God by trusting in Jesus, by putting your faith in him? It's only by faith that we're made alive to God. It's by faith that we receive what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. It's by faith we're born again. It's by faith we become new people. It's by faith we are born into the family of God. Jesus brought us back freedom from the obligations of that law. He paid the penalty for everyone who has broken God's law and broken relationship with God. For, he paid the penalty, penalty for everyone who's turned away from uh, his leadership, God's leadership in their life that was me and that was you. It was Scott Morrison. He turned away from God. He needed Jesus, didn't he? It was Donald Trump. He needed Jesus. Some would say he still does, but it's, it's everyone, isn't it? You know, the YouTuber you follow, the YouTuber you follow, they've broken God's law. Everyone on TikTok, they've broken God's law. I can tell right now what generation you fit to by your look of confusion or your look of recognition right now. (laughs) Hey, everyone, we've all been there. We've all broken God's law. We all deserve the curses of the law. But Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Keeping the law will never make you right with God, will it? Only by trusting in someone else's law keeping will we be made right. Only in trusting in the person who kept the law in its entirety will we be made right. And who was it that kept the law in its entirety? Who was it? The only person who was ever able to do it It was Jesus, wasn't it? Jesus is the only one who kept the covenant. Jesus is the only one who was faithful to the covenant. Jesus is the only one who was faithful to God. But we have a cursed mindset when we think, when we think that God will deal with us on the basis of who we are, what we do, what we think, or what we think we deserve. When we think like that, we're thinking with a cursed mindset we're thinking with a cursed mindset when we relate to god via the old covenant system of works do this you'll be blessed do that you'll be cursed now it's easy to sit here and think that we don't do that but sometimes i think we do we 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 fall into this trap of thinking if i do enough whatever it is god's going to bless me and if i do this or if i away from whatever it is god's gonna god's gonna curse me jesus frees you from the requirement to keep the law in order to be blessed i mean that's good news that's grace that's grace right there jesus frees you from the requirement of the law in order to be blessed i mean are you wanting are you wanting a blessed life i don't know maybe you don't i mean maybe you're okay with a cursed life i don't know is anyone yeah Blessed? Blessing's good? Yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page. Blessing is good. Okay, so even better than blessing being good is I don't have to keep the law to get it. Yes. Amen. Jesus was faithful on my behalf. Jesus redeemed me. Jesus gives me access to the blessings of the covenant. that's going to change your life right there. Hmm? That's going to change your life right there. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Where the Gentiles, by the way, in case you didn't know. The people who aren't Jews are the Gentiles. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. That's verse 14. So Jesus gives us access to the blessings of the covenant. So we don't need to keep the law because the law has been kept on our behalf. And that means we get access to the blessings of God's covenant. Allison read that list before and that's a pretty comprehensive list. I like that list. Through Jesus, you receive the blessing of God. So through Jesus, are you cursed or are you Blessed. Blessed. So what is this blessing given to Abraham and, and, and how does it influence your life? How does it influence your life? Now, Way back in Genesis, God gives some promises to this childless couple. And he promises this childless couple descendants. He, he promises to turn this nomadic wanderer, this... this no one person that no one knows about. He promises to turn this person into a great nation. He promises that through this one insignificant, humble person who had no power or prestige in the world, he promised that the whole world would be blessed through him. How does that happen? That's amazing. God had a word to this man about what he would do for him and through him. And the covenant blessings that then, then followed, that Allison read to us in Deuteronomy 28, they're very practical. I mean, we could spiritualise this and, and I was going to have half this sermon on Ephesians and how we bless with every spiritual blessing in Christ and maybe I'll head there next time. But, but these are very practical. This just isn't some sort of spiritual blessing somewhere out there in the spiritual Netherlands. These are really practical blessings that impact everyday life. These are blessings for all people in all places, whether you live in the city, whether you live in the field, whether you're in your home, and they're for all needs. They're for your family, Their blessings for your children, their blessings for your daily work and your daily needs. God promised that He would take care of His people and that He would prosper the things they did. God promised that there would be victory over their enemies. God promised that He would supply rain and that their crops would grow abundantly and that they'd even be able to sell to other nations that they'd have such an abundance. God promised that they would be leaders in their culture and in their communities. That, that they would set the course and lead the way in society around them. And of course, all of those promises, promises that we get access to. You know, in all of these, these provisions and blessings, God's people were to be a sign or a witness or an example to those surrounding nations that God is sovereign in this world, that God is good in this world, and that God is a faithful provider to those who are his people, and that life will only work when we are honouring God. Through Jesus, are you blessed or cursed? Blessed. Blessed. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. So all of this tells me Tells me that whoever you are, whoever you are, God's promise of blessing is for you, wherever you live, any nation, any town, any city. Whether you're a farmer, whether you're a tradie, whether you're a professional, whether you're a truckie, whether you're a mum, whether you're a teacher, you have access to God's provision for your life. And it's a lie to think that it's it's more for some people than others. Don't think that some people get access to more of God's blessing than what you get access to. It's the same pond you get to drink out of. Some people probably just drink a bit more, maybe. Okay? Some people are probably just uh, uh, make better use of God's provision than others. But he gives to all of us freely and abundantly. God wants to see your family do well. Do you know that? god wants to see your family do well he wants to see your children do well he blesses them you know don't don't allow fear to grip you and you know am i good enough parents am i doing enough am i disciplining appropriately am i giving them enough extracurricular activities you know we worry as parents don't we am i teaching them about god enough am i loving them enough Now we could burn ourselves out as parents, couldn't we? Trying to be the sole source of blessing and success in their life. God says you don't have to be the sole source of blessing and success in your children's life. He will be the source of blessing. You can trust him in that. And when we know that, you know, it's really easy to pray for your kids. You know, when you trust that God is on their side, it's really easy to pray for them. It's hard to pray for them when you're not so sure if God actually wants to come through for them. But when you know that God wants to bless your kids, it's easy to pray for them because you know that the answer is yes. You know that you're going with God's flow. God's interested in your daily work as well. And that means you can come to him with the issues of your daily work. I tell you what, there's plenty of issues with our daily work. hey. Invite God into those difficulties. Invite Him into your challenging workplace situations, or if you're at school or studying, invite Him into those situations. Hey, what difference do you think it would make to you at work? You know, on a Monday, if you know that God's blessing is upon your work, I started a new job recently. And, um, you know, normally when we start a new job, we can be a bit fearful, can't we? Oh, am I going to do a good job? Do I have what it takes? Am I going to be able to cope with this new job? Am I going to get along with everyone there? How's it all going to work? But I just had this sense of God's blessing upon my work. And so I could step into that new job with confidence... And boldness and security because I knew that God's favour was with me to bless my work and and through me to bless others. Does it mean if I have a bad day at work that God's withdrawn his favour? No. No. You You know what it does? It gives me confidence to pray and to press in for him to in faith meet my needs in the workplace so that it continues to be a fruitful workplace, so that I continue to be productive at work. Look to God to supply your daily needs in the workplace. Press into him and he will bless your work or your study or whatever it is that you spend your day doing. I'm not just talking about paid work here. We all work, whether it's paid or not. God will give us victory over our enemies. Now for us living in Australia we're pretty fortunate that our enemies are few and far between and they're more likely to be spiritual ones aren't they? Than than those people we, we bump up against. Sometimes I think Um, We we think that people who are difficult to be around are our enemies, don't (laughs) we? That person's difficult, they're my enemy. Uh, No, probably not. They're probably actually God's servant or tool to kind of grow a bit of grace and and patience in your life. Uh, An enemy is anything or anyone that gets in the way of us living as God's people, as he intended us to live. Anything or anyone that gets in the way of us living as God's people and as he intended us to live. So God says he'll give you victory over those things and people. And so this can be spiritual stuff. You know, spiritual stuff that's hindering you. You don't need to fear attack from the enemy. You don't, you don't need to spend time creating like those spiritual sp- sandbags in your life to sort of protect yourself from the enemy. You know, I'm going to fill some spiritual sandbags so the enemy doesn't, doesn't get me. Uh, he's given you already all the armour that you need, hasn't he? To be able to stand firm with confidence and boldness against the schemes and the attacks of the enemy. It's Ephesians 6, isn't it? He's given you everything you need to stand firm. You don't need to make your own sandbags. How about cultural enemies? You know what I think our cultural enemies are? Often we find it difficult, don't we, in our culture, to prioritise Jesus and and our church faith life above the demands and the pleasures of society because there are a lot of demands and there are a lot of pleasures in our culture that so easily draw us away and distract us from what God has for us. But what this reminds me is that God's blessing upon you will enable you to choose well and choose wisely and focus your life on the right things. God's blessing will help you to know what is timely and what is not. And so he blesses you with victory over those things that you might might be trying to crowd out your life with Jesus. Deuteronomy 28.13 says, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall only be at the top and not the bottom, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today, by diligently observing them. This tells me that God blesses us, the church, God's people, with the ability to influence our culture. Don't you you sometimes wish that the church and Christians could be influencers in culture? rather than uh, media and, and politicians and YouTubers and celebrities being the ones who are the influencers. This tells me that those people who are blessed by God, those people who are in Christ Jesus, will be leaders and will be influencers. Right here in this room, you are leaders and influencers in our culture, amongst your peers In your workplace, in your community, God's blessing says, yeah, you will be influencers. We need to let go of this curse mindset. We need to take hold of this blessing mindset through Jesus. Are you cursed or are you blessed? Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because a key part of the promises that God made to Abraham was that all nations through him would be blessed so the promise of salvation and favor with God extends from Abraham to the Israelites and then to all people everyone is able to access these blessings God blesses his people so that the whole world might be blessed as well God desires good things for his creation Here's the thing, when when others see the blessing of God upon your life, your life will be a witness to God's faithfulness, to God's goodness, and to God's presence. People might not be interested in the finer facts of New Testament theology, but they sure will be interested in how you parent so well or why you have a such a good marriage or or why you get offered a job so easily or how you've overcome your mental health problems they'll take notice when you're movers and shakers in the community they'll want to know why and when you tell them it is because God's blessing is upon your life they are going to be very interested to hear about Jesus aren't they through Jesus are you blessed or are you cursed you're blessed You are blessed so that God might bless others through you. Take what he gives you. Take what he gives you and use it to benefit other people. Use it to benefit other people. Let's be a people who live out of blessing rather than for it. That's grace, isn't it? Living out of blessing rather than striving to get blessing. We don't work to cultivate God's blessing. We access it through Jesus. We strive and we work from blessing, not for it. And it's ready and it's right there with you and for you. Let's pray. Lord God, we we thank you so much that through Jesus we can have a blessing mindset. We thank you that we are no longer under the curse of the, the, the law and the old covenant. We thank you that we don't have to worry about being cursed and that we can instead celebrate being blessed by God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you that, that because of your faithfulness, no one has any power to curse us. We thank you that, that your, your blessing triumphs. Everything. And so we press into that truth and that reality in our life. We thank you that we can take hold of all of the, the good things that you desire for, for us and for your world. And that we can see uh, other people blessed through your blessing upon our life. Lord Jesus, would you take hold of any areas of our life and any uh, wrong thinking in our, in our mind that, that says that we are, are, are cursed or that we um, are, are bound to, to come under a difficulty and hardship just, just because? Would you renew our minds with the truth of the gospel that says that in Christ Jesus we have favour with you and blessing with you? We thank you that you've promised to supply our needs and meet our needs and we just bring before you those daily needs that we have whether there are needs for school or or work or study or family life, whether there are needs in our marriage or needs with our friendships, needs with our finances, we bring all of that before you. And in faith, we look to you as the provider for all of those parts of our life. Father God, we thank you for what you are doing in our life. And we just ask that we might have opportunity to bless other people and to be a, a witness to your desire to, to do good things in this world. And may we see a real change in our, our neighbourhoods and our towns and our communities as, as your blessing extends through us and through this local church into, into our town and community. So we thank you for your faithfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.